0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at FaithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. All right, James chapter one, and guys, We're gonna pick it up uh, from a scripture last week, but James chapter one, verse nine. I'm looking up there at the glass as if they can see me, they're looking at screens. But anyway, James chapter one, verse nine through 11. The Bible says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. How many of you maybe grew up a little poor? Anybody here in the building, you grew up a little poor? All right, well, the Bible says, glory in our exaltation as a believer, um, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, its beauty appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. The rich man will fade away in his pursuits. So James is coming against the rich man who will not humble himself. So in other words, he is saying, to those of you, James says, to those of you that were born in obscurity and born in poverty, uh, you should glory in your exaltation because all of a sudden now as a believer, you realize you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, let the weak say I am rich or those strong, strong let the poor say I'm rich. And uh, so our whole outlook on life is to change when we come to Christ. So I wanna challenge every person in this building, anyone online listening, and I know there's someone listening that needs this word, but stop saying things about your life and condition that bring poverty to your life. There's power in your words. So I used to say it growing up, we used to say it, poor-mouthing, all right? Uh, People that only talk about the negative of life as far as it impacts them. And uh, stop it, stop it, stop it, all right? Um, When I went to Bible college, I had no money. I think my mom gave me $50. I had, I believe, two pair of pants when I left home to go to college. And uh, arrived there, I had no clue. They let me in without paying anything. Uh, And toward the end of the semester, They called me in and they said, "Um, we want to check and see how you're going to pay the bill. I said, I don't have any idea. I don't have any money. And they said, "Uh, well, fill this form out. In other words, we're going to see if you're poor enough to. we're going to give you some money. And so I filled the form out and sure enough I was poor enough they gave me money. Uh, didn't cost me anything for that semester. I thought being poor is pretty good. I didn't know it that before that. Uh, I didn't know it before that because I thought poor was bad but now I'm discovering poor is pretty good. I don't have to pay for college. So uh, I started getting into that mindset even probably more than I already was but God started taking me out of it, because that's not a godly mindset. So get it out of your mind. Being poor is not a good thing. Amen? It is not a good thing. I said it's not a good thing. I feel a little resistance to that. All right, right now. Some of you are like, I am poor, and stop talking about me. All right. No, I don't want you to stay poor. I want you to prosper, even as your soul prospers, the Bible says. So stop talking about being poor. Stop talking about your condition would never change. All things are possible through Christ Jesus our Lord. With man, it may be impossible. But not with God. For all things are possible. So out of your mouth comes the strength of your words, the anointing of your words that helps you to bring about, literally form the architecture of God's plan for your life by your words. And God does not want you to struggle and the rest of your life, for heaven's sake, stop it. So start talking. Even if you don't have anything, God, thank you. I am rich in you. God, thank you. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the hyper faith uh, of uh, prosperity where, you know, they believe you live in a huge house and drive Fancy, fancy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having more than enough, all right? Because too many people don't even have enough. So we need to have more than enough, and we do and receive as we sow. Earlier, Pastor Matt stepped up here, gave you the opportunity to sow. Did you sow? Are you sowing? And if you're not sowing, that is stopping the reaping process in your life. So, uh, let the rich humble themselves. In other words, uh, James is inferring that the rich have a tendency to depend on their riches and their cushion—if anything happens, I got money—and uh, their their dependence comes to money or comes down upon money, and that's their foundation. Well, when you come to Christ and you're rich, it strips the foundation out from under you, and you start seeing, no, I'm not dependent on this. I've got to break through. I got to break loose, just like a poor person has to break loose. A poor mouthing. A rich person has to break loose by the power of God of a dependence on money. So that's what James is saying here for the rich man, the poor man, and uh, help us to understand that. So God help us, all right? Christianity brings to the poor man a new sense of his own value. Christianity brings to the rich man a new sense of self abasement and correction in our attitude and or an awareness that he is nothing without God. He instructs or it instructs the rich, James does in the scripture, to be good stewards. That's what the Bible teaches us, to be good stewards of the money God has entrusted us. It's been said that God will allow, will allow a lot of money to pass through your hands if you don't allow too much to stick to your fingers, all right? So you're to be a conduit. All of us are to be a conduit of the blessings of God uh, for our own needs, but for missionaries going back to a place of ministry, to uh, a church that has a building program, uh, for us helping other churches and ministries, it's the will of God to be a blessing to others, amen, amen, and to be a good steward of the money God has given us. Um, their wealth is to bring glory to God, James says. You rich people, all right, let it bring glory to God. I think that's a good place for me to stop and reemphasize something that I've said several times in the last few months. Uh, Men, listen to me. Um, uh, If you're single, this this still applies um, because... um, I've said recently to people, you need to buy life insurance. And Dave Ramsey, who we went through his course, says buy term insurance, right? Like a 20-year term or 10-year term, but buy term insurance. Just recently, another person passed away. And they had no, the man had no insurance. And with a broken heart, the wife said, yes, we had intended to do that at the end of this year. Well, the end of the year never arrived for him. He's in glory. And now she's left to try to figure out um, how she's gonna survive without the necessary funds. Well, God is able, say amen, all right? But but he is able. But how much better to be good stewards if you're a husband here tonight and you don't have term insurance or provision for your family, um, don't you die. That's all I can say, all right? So don't you even think about dying, all right. Uh, if you get COVID, you better get over it in Jesus' name. All right. Don't even think about dying and leaving them. Come to to the church and say, uh, "He to be No life insurance, and I'm like that little rascal. Uh, anyway, I would. <laughs> Okay, I wouldn't say that, but uh, so buy some life insurance. You can go to Dave Ramsey Provider, or you can go online. Um, boy, be like be like Leslie Trinidad, who sings on our worship team. Her mother recently passed away. I think her funeral or services are Saturday uh, around 11 o'clock. But um, her mom, she was telling me about her mom, how this woman, uh, own up in years, had everything set in order. Order And basically they were, it was just there already prepared, laid out. She said she even had a gift uh, going to, I guess, a grandchild on their birthday, had it set up to deliver it on that day. Uh, She had a wedding gift already prepared for somebody knowing and anticipating she was going to die. So, I mean, like, I'm like, wow. I don't have my act that uh, together that much. Uh, I'm not giving anybody anything after I die. All right, so anyway. Um, no, my, uh, that's silly. All right, so anyway. All right, let's go to sec- or 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Um, still carrying this theme along. Um, and it says, now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Wow, contentment. Uh, We all know what it is, Uh, contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And this blows my mind, verse 8. And having, James says, an apostle, the the half-brother of Jesus, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. So, man, the next time your wife wants to go shopping, you pull this verse out. All right. So, all right. I'm kidding. You let her go. Get what she needs. All right. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now, obviously, he wasn't leaving out a place to live, or but at first glance, it almost appears that way, or, you know, other necessities of, of life, but he was stressing a point to all of us having food and clothing. In other words, he say we don't need uh, to get bent out of shape on what we don't have or wish we had. No, we are con- we are to pursue contentment in our lives. And uh, that pursuit of contentment can also come with an understanding uh, that we want to be a blessing. We want to have more than enough. That, they don't cross each other out uh, for a person to be content can also be content in the fact that they expect God to bless them to help missionaries and others in need. So having food and clothing, he's stressing a point to us, contentment, so vital for our lives. So right now, check your contentment gauge, all right? Where's your contentment gauge? Where is it at? Uh, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Those who in other words, those who love money, those who desire to be rich, they love money. Uh, they fall into temptation, a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drowned men in destruction and perdition for the love of money. There it is. Money is not evil, but the love of money, or money is not the root of all evil, uh, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some, this is so sad, that some literally in that day where James was living, for some straight away uh, from the faith in their greediness even back then, and pierce themselves with many sorrows, because they, their whole goal in life was not the pursuit of God, not the pursuit of doing good and following the Word, but the pursuit of money. And uh, so they they literally brought self destruction to their lives. All right, now. It goes right into talking about those things that brought self-destruction. He ties that with temptation in verse 12. And he says, blessed, the word blessed could be translated in most cases happy. So happy is the man who endures temptation whether it's the money or the the temptation to love money or to be a pursuer of money or the temptation for the flesh or the temptation to whatever in life. For when he has been approved, he will receive, the person who endures, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And those who love him, the Bible says, keep his what? Commandments. And one of the commandments is is to not succumb to temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. So the person that Goes to God's escape, then uh, finds happiness as a result of that. All right, so let's go on to uh, another uh, topic and, uh, and read in verse J- or James chapter 1, verse 13. The Bible says, Uh, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. In other words, some people blame everything on God. Anything that's negative or anything that brings them uh, down or uh, causes them any pain, they have a tendency to blame it on God. So he says, don't say I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone." But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, or you've been impregnated with that desire, the conceiving, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And that is what the enemy is trying to cause all of us to do. Uh, The enemy wants us to live in sin and be drugged down by it. God wants us to live in victory and be uplifted by that victory, amen? So here James is rebuking the man who puts the blame for temptation on God. In other words, he succumbs to temptation and then in his downward spiral, he says, well, God shouldn't allow this to happen. uh, Why did God allow this to happen? And so there's a uh, direct and indirect blaming of God. Uh, It is true that from the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, Adam blamed the snake, or Eve blamed the snake, Adam blamed Eve. Remember what he said? Uh, When God asked him, he says, God, um, the woman that you gave me, I didn't ask for her. The woman you gave me, you brought her to me. If I remember correctly, I didn't ask for her. You just showed up with her. Uh, And I've still got a scar here, by the way. But anyway, uh, so he blamed God. Eve blamed the snake. All of us have blamed people. In our lives, maybe we're still blaming people in our lives. If they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done this. No, nobody can make us do anything. We say, they made me so mad. No, they did not. Now, I be, I've said that term before. They made me so mad I could hardly stand it. Uh, no, they didn't. They did not make me mad. I chose to get mad. I chose it. Uh, I wanted to okay uh, I felt like it all right and so um, any, anyway they didn't cause me to they gave me an opportunity but they didn't cause it they made me so angry no they did not make you so angry um, so we all need to just grow up all right all of us every one of us need to grow up stop blaming somebody else some of you are still blaming your parents and you're 60 years old oh for heaven's sakes uh, you know, they're, all, they're already gone to heaven or gone, and uh, you're still blaming them. My God, have mercy. Um, it's probably time to consider letting it go. Um, 60 years old, 40 years old, 20 years old, let it go. Stop blaming them. Some church hurt you. Stop blaming them. We hurt you. Hey, uh, we're not perfect. All right. So anyway, uh, if somebody comes to me and says, you hurt me, I'm going to say, please forgive me. And I'm, I'm going to mean it with as much as sincerity as I can muster because I know that if I hurt them and I don't try to reconcile it, they're, they could go on in their life carrying that for the rest of their lives. And uh, not allow God to work in their lives and accomplish his will and destiny through their lives. So uh, it's so easy to ask forgiveness or give forgiveness or, or make things right with people. In most cases, not all, but in most cases. So stop blaming some church that hurts you. Stop blaming the ex. Oh, that's a nerve. All right, so uh, stop blaming the ex. Stop blaming the present, all right? So uh, the one you got right now, all right? Stop blaming them. Um, Most counseling sessions in the years ago, most couples coming in, sitting down, she thought this. Please straighten him out. He thought this. Would you please do something with her? Please tell her, tell her what I've been telling her for years. She's like, If you would just straighten him out, this marriage would be glorious because I'm nearly perfect, all right? So each one of them walks in there thinking, in most cases, they're not the problem. And the truth of the matter is, they're probably both a little bit of the problem. One's probably more, all right? But both of them. So stop blaming the one you got. Just maybe start blaming the devil. That's okay, all right? So all of us, if you want to blame somebody, blame the devil, all right? He's uh, maybe behind it anyway. And even if he's not, I'd rather you blame him than your husband or your wife or your ex or the church or your parents, all right? Okay, stop blaming That was for somebody, all right? Okay, all right, I felt good about that, all right. So, uh, James chapter one, verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Uh, Wow, Um, Christ um, is like the firstborn. Um, he is, um, when he came to this earth as man and, and, or God wrapped in man, uh, and then was raised up with a a body that they could touch and he could eat. That means we're going to eat in heaven. Aren't you glad? All right. So anyway, um, we're going to eat in heaven. Heaven's going to be really good. But, um, Then in the ancient world, it was the law of the first fruits. Okay, let me read that verse again. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures or people. All right. Uh, So, in other words, you and I uh, are different. We're we're just different. I mean, some of you are really different, but everybody, we're all believers. We're different. because we have the Spirit of God within us. That's incredible. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. And so, uh, if we die, our soul, our spirit goes to heaven, our spirit goes to heaven, and our body is left here. And to be reunited when Christ comes back. Um, what an incredible thing. If Christ comes back and we're alive, our body will be instantly changed and caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And therefore shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, thank God, thank God, thank God. And someone, some uh, theologian said they believed that we were all going to be like the age of Christ when he ascended 33 years of age. I can't wait. Uh, uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful? we're all like 33 years of age. Well, it doesn't, I don't know if we're going to look old, look young. Uh, Heaven is going to be so far. We're not even going to think about that. All right. So in the ancient world though, it was the law of all first fruits were sacred to God. When we were, when we are reborn, we become the property of God. Even as the first fruits of the harvest belong to God. Just this morning, Uh, In Numbers, I'm going back through the Bible, reading back through, and I'm back in Numbers. um, And just in Numbers, it was talking about God would take the Levites. He said, I'm taking the Levites in the service of the tabernacle uh, for the firstborn. So in other words, instead of taking the firstborn and them uh, honoring me and being dedicated to me, I'm taking the Levites for the firstborn. So the firstborn, the firstfruits were important and are important to God. Like in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possession. Honor the Lord with your possession and with the firstfruits of all your increase. I think that's talking about the tithe there, all right? So that's why we should be a tither. Okay, we got some amens coming in, a little slow, but they're coming in, all right? The first fruits of all your increase. James chapter 1, 19 and 20, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every... The, it, it's James, like a lot of Scripture uh, and chapters, it, it's, they're t- all tied together, but it seems like there's different subjects that are hit upon uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit as he writes. And here he goes in too, Then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak... Slow to wrath. So uh, here's a key to not getting angry. Here is a key. So if you know somebody that has a problem getting angry on a regular basis, uh, read this scripture to them and say, Now listen, uh, I want to encourage you to be slow to speak. That means hardly ever say anything. All right, um, Especially in a, uh, a moment of emotion. And he says, Swift to hear. In other words, listen and shut or close your mouth, all right? (laughs) Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Ah. So people who have a problem with anger many times have a problem with their mouth. And we know that a lot of people have gotten in trouble with their mouth and uh, said something, and somebody retaliated, and uh, a brawl broke out, all right? Um, someone recently told me they were from Birmingham, Alabama, and now attending our church, um, And I'm like, Birmingham, Alabama. I have fond memories of Birmingham, Alabama, because growing up on a farm, we took our watermelons in a a good-sized truck and drove to uh, Birmingham, Alabama. They had a huge, huge watermelon market. And the first time I went there, I was fascinated. I was about 14, and uh, there with trucks would park. We'd sleep under the truck. It was during the summer and uh, all kinds of activity, people coming by, bartering and trying to buy and, and sell. And uh, But one day, one day, and I had never seen this in my life. I was very sheltered growing up, uh, living out on a farm. You, you didn't see a lot like kids see today, but I saw something I'd never seen in my life. It was in the morning, even. Um, uh, I can see this happening later in the day, but it was in the morning. And across the pavement there at another truck or a couple of trucks, and they were lined up literally dozens and maybe hundreds there, um, two women got in a fight. And I was so fascinated. I was like, I have never seen this before. Two women, literally... I mean on the ground, rolling around, pulling hair. And, and uh, you know, as a young man, i get in fights, but I, you, we didn't pull each other's hair. But apparently, when women get in a fight, they pull hair. And so uh, they were pulling hair, just rolling around, yelling at each other. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Um I was so taken back, I could hardly believe. It's like I couldn't picture my mother down on the ground fighting with somebody. I was like, that would never happen in a million years. But something happened that morning. Somebody said something they shouldn't have said. (laughs) And somebody didn't like it. I wasn't there. I just know that happened, all right? They didn't just wake up and go, to, go at it unless they were fighting from the night before. No, they got up. Somebody should have kept their mouth shut. They should have been swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. But they weren't. And they said something and the other one said something. And I wasn't there when that was going on. I wish I had been seen the whole thing <laughs> unfold before my eyes. But what was happening was this talk was going on. And I don't know how long it went on. But eventually, the emotions and the anger caused one of them, at least, to jump on the other one. And usually what happens then is, you know, it was so crazy. Dear God. Ladies, don't ever get in a fight like that. All right, I'm just telling you. All right, I know you want your Christians, and you would never do anything like that ever, never. (sighs) All right. Uh, um, But words cause that fight. Words. Words can do a lot of damage in people's lives. Words can make somebody want to fight you. They may not, but they may feel like they want to. Or at least cause you some discomfort. So, this is a great scripture. All right. Wow. All right. We got to hurry. All right. Every man, every woman be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. All right. Some time ago, I shared this with a staff. I was reading some article. It was a, I don't know even where I came across it, short article. And it was uh, about conversational narcissism. And I was fascinated, I started reading it, and it was about talking and not listening, or at least wanting to talk and not listen. Uh, The exact opposite of what James was telling us to do. And then I realized, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I think I'm a conversational narcissist. And as I read that article, I'm like, oh my goodness, because he was saying this, that sometimes... People, when they are supposed, acting like they're listening, they hear a story, and it triggers a story or a similar event. And they are standing there giving the appearance of listening, but they're not listening. They're thinking about their story and what they're going to say when that person finally closes their mouth. And then... When they close their mouth, let me share with you. Something happened to me. And sometimes it's a greater story than theirs. And it diminishes their story. I, I'm, a, I'm a person that has the gift, MOTE gift, uh, exhortation. And that's, I think, lends itself to this. And I thought, God, help me not to do this now, if I'm talking to you tonight after service, don't assume I'm doing that. All right, I'm 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 trying my best. I'm going to listen to people. I'm not. Um, but one day we were talking about it in the green room and. Uh, Pastor John told a great story, and someone was there, and it triggered something in their thought, and they told a story. And and we kidded about the fact that that sounds like conversational narcissism there. And uh, we said, well, Pastor John, I think their story was better than yours. And so, anyway, uh, but don't fall into that trap. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, the best part I'm not going to make. All right, so anyway, if you didn't like what you've heard, I wish you could have heard the other. All right, but anyway, um, let me just read another scripture in close. James chapter 1, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or total submissiveness. Receive meekness. Submissiveness. The implanted word. Which means the implanted. When you implant something. You, you fix it. You set it securely. It's permanent. You implant the word. Which is able to save your soul. Which is able to save your soul. Um, and that causes us. To have a teachable spirit. The last line, guys. The teachable spirit is without resentment and without anger and is able to face the truth even when the truth hurts. So, God help us to always have a teachable spirit. All right? Um, To have the attitude, God, whatever that word was you heard, God... Take that word, God, let me grow from it, let me change from it, let me apply it to ourselves. Don't ever come into a service, sit here and say, you know, boy, that really wasn't for me, but uh, somebody I know really should have been here and, uh, because they needed that. How many times have we ever said that? Yep, so and so, they weren't here. They should have been here. They needed it. Um, but we give the impression we didn't need it. We need everything God has for us and we need it repeated over and over and the word comes back to us again and again and again, changing us, receive the implanted word with meekness, total submissiveness to the word. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Your word, oh my goodness, Lord, Your Word, God, help it to reign in our hearts. Help us, O Lord God, not to be Christians who say, I know what the Word says, but. God, help us to not be that kind of person. Help us to be the kind of person who says, I know what the Word says, and by God's grace, I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to be obedient to it. I'm going to be submissive to it. I'm going to allow the word to be implanted in my life securely, permanently. God, help us all. Help us all, I pray in the name of Jesus. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.